Quill. Hey Duncan, how are you going? I'm so good. Been a while. It's been a long time. It's been a little while, but we are back. We're better than ever. Well, that remains to be seen. Better as always. That means we're always good. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit confused there. Yeah. Um, and we are back with some fun science and technology news from the past week, or maybe a bit more. A little bit more, because as we know, last week was Science Week. It was Science Week. Very exciting. Very busy. Very busy. Good Lord. And to was... be honest, not much in the news about new science coming out, because there was so much about the events that were on. So we've got a couple of weeks worth of science to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we can safely say that this episode is mainly around the sun and the moon. Would you agree? It is. And we'll some little aliens. Some aliens? Yeah. Maybe some Earthborn aliens. Earthborn. <gasps> Shocking twist. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Well, should we just jump right into it? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. there was a new spacecraft that was launched. Can you believe it? We're talking about space. I love space. Amazing. Not as much as you. Know, yep, not as much as me. No one loves space more than me. This spacecraft is called the Parker Solar Probe. Ooh. Named for a scientist called Eugene Parker. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Which is the first um, NASA spacecraft that's actually been named after someone. There you go. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice little aside there. Um, and you want to know what it's doing? Well. It's going to the sun. I thought it might be because mm-hmm. it was called Solar Probe. Oh, did I already say that? That's okay. <laughs> that's exciting. And, and this is obviously we haven't sent anything to the sun before. Mm-hmm. Pretty hot spot to go. It is. Very, uh, very hot. Yeah. So what's it doing? So basically the point of it is to figure out more about the atmosphere of the sun okay to put it to put it sort of simply yeah um so figure out what they're saying they're going to trace the flow of energy that heats the corona and accelerates Ooh. the solar wind okay so it's a lot of sort of science words there but yep. effectively they're looking into how does the atmosphere of the oh, sun awesome. work okay. yeah and they're sort of you know looking into the energetic particles that are around the sun and what makes them move and that sort of thing okay so as well as the mag- kind of create energy from the sun Yep. How does that happen? And their magnetic fields as well. Wow. That's pretty exciting. Yep. So that is currently traveling towards the sun and it's going about 39,500 miles per hour. What's that in kilometers per hour? Let's find out. So Pretty quick. That is approximately 64,000 kilometers an hour, which is um, it's above the speed limit. Not slow. Not at all. No. There you go. So you might lose a couple of points on your license there. Mm. Um, so it's going real, real quick, and it's going to basically go past Venus a couple of times. Yep. It's going to do that seven times, actually. And it's going to do that so it can do something um, called a catapult. Okay. And it uses Venus's gravity to sort oh. of catapult itself around, which okay. you might have seen. I think they've done that in movies and I stuff I think they before. do it in movies, often with race cars, kind of. It's this idea where you kind of almost get into the slipstream or something. Or, mm. And sometimes, or that might be different. But I have seen it in movies where they do it in space as well. They kind of use that. Yeah. Energy from somewhere else to kind of slingshot them to somewhere else. Absolutely. Cool. Um, called a gravity assist is what it's called. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so they're basically going to slingshot, slingshot is the other word, slingshot yeah. around this, uh, around Venus to get to the sun so that they can look at it from nice and up close. And apparently it's going to get really, really, really close. Cool. You want to know how close? How close? 3.83 million miles. Now that doesn't feel that close. No. What's that in kilometers? Let's find out. So let's say 3.83. But I guess when you think about space and how far we are from it now, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Comparatively. Yeah. And also it's very, very hot. Yeah. So it's 6 million kilometers away. You can't get that close. No, you really can't. It's 6 million kilometers, which is really, really, really far. And that's actually still sort of within the atmosphere. Oh, wow. Yeah. They've got these immense um, heat shields on it. 
to make it work because you can imagine it's going to get so hot. Uh, How how hot does it get? I don't know, but it gets really, really hot. Um, And it's actually going to be going something like 700,000 kilometers an hour at the time that it gets there. Wow. Yeah. So it's not messing around this thing. Um, So 700,000 kilometers an hour, that's about fast enough to go between Sydney and Canberra in a second. Whoa. So that's Sydney Camp is about I think it's two hundred and forty kilometers yep. as the as the crow flies. Okay. And it'll go in one, one second. second. Wow, that'd be yeah. good. How long does it take you to drive to Canberra? Um a lot more than that, unfortunately. Yeah. Couple of hours. Couple of hours. Well, you need to get on the Parker Solar Probe and you can that'd be, be there. a great way to get to work. In one second. <laughs> one <Fantastic>. second. <laughs> from that's from the goal. Wow, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, um, I'd love to, I'll have to have a think about it, but I'd love to know more about what kind of materials they're using to build this thing. Cause they must be super like, mm. super fancy and super strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe combinations of different kinds of things, like different kinds of metals, but you'd think there has to be some special things. And I know there's really no information about this because just like those space tiles that we use and we mm. burn, you can't actually find out what they're made of because they're trade secrets. Really? Right. So you, for kids have asked before, we have these little tiles that have come from the space shuttles and we burn them and they never really get hot. And we've tried to find out what they're actually made of, but the NASA and that keep it a secret because it's like a trade secret so that we don't know. Because they don't want people to steal their recipe for these special... That flame, makes sense because kind of if projects. I knew, I would build one. A spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently this one's made of reinforced carbon-carbon composite. There you go. Which can withstand temperatures of up to 1,370 degrees Celsius. Wow. And it's got something called an alumina surface layer. I don't know what alum- alumina is. Sounds like some kind of mixture of metals, mm. potentially. Presumably aluminium yeah. and something else. And something yeah. else. Um, but there you go. Cool. 1,300 degrees. That's a lot of degrees. That's a lot of Your degrees. Your oven doesn't go that high. No. And it's got solar panels on it. Makes sense, right? Yeah, a lot of, a <laughs> lot of solar power. They put you're something at else the in there. You'd be like, "That's a waste of solar energy, isn't yeah. it?" Yeah, cool. That's really exciting. So yeah, that's cool. So I think we'll get the first news on what's going on with it by about November, mm-hmm. um, where it will basically reach the atmosphere of the sun. Cool. That's and really then amazing. It's going to be there for years. So sometime in twenty twenty four, it's going to get like. Remember how I said it was going to be like 6 million kilometers away? Really close, yeah. It's going to be 2024 that it'll get that close. All right, so we've got a while. It's got it's a while. super close. Yeah, exactly. And then it's presumably it's just going to plummet into the sun. Yeah. And like in some sort of super cool explosion. So they're not going to try and get it back? I don't think so. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of a one-time only deal. I mean, okay. you, imagine if you went to the sun. Do you think you'd survive that trip? I don't think I'd make it that far. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 1300 degrees so there you go looking forward to what uh what happens with that one yeah that's really cool only only six more years to wait fingers crossed Ooh, very cool all right so what have you got for us this week quill well we just talked about sending like spaceships to explode into the sun Mm -hmm. after they've collected data of course oh now i'm going to tell you about something else that can explode Mm -hmm. ants So, great, great, great transition. Well, yeah, that was a nice transition. You just ruined it by saying it was a great transition. So there's these ants, and these ants are called the Colobopus. Colobopus. Explodens. Oh, that's an amazing name. Great name for a set of ants Colo- that explode. 
so these ants have been known about since about 1916. They're not a new discovery uh, of the type of exploding ants, but this species specifically is the first new type of exploding ant to be found since 1936. <laughs> so yeah, there's more than one kind of exploding ant, but these really? ones, yeah, are rare and they've only been discovered recently. And they were discovered in Borneo in Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. um, and they were actually discovered by some people working out of the Natural History Museum in Vienna. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so they were over there doing some study, and they came across these, uh, these Colobobuses explodants. And what they found is what they actually do is they will explode themselves and sacrifice themselves to save their colony. That's amazing. Yeah. So ants in general, we know, are actually really, really clever. They work really fantastically mm. as a colony to do lots of cool yeah. things. Yeah. What's that called? It's co like it's colony intelligence or something yeah, like that? So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so they do lots of like cool things like for example when you've got like a flood ants will all mash together and make like a raft like yeah, a little boat. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Seen that on planet Earth. Yeah, it's oh. really really cool. Um, so these ones what they do is they basically go out and they're foraging and they're looking around and you've got different size ants as you often do in different mm -hmm. colonies. You've got some working ants and some other ones and some big ones and some building ones or whatever. And so it's little, what they call minor worker ants, that were the ones that explode. So what they do is, as each ant comes back to the colony after its day out, mm -hmm. working hard, mm -hmm. um, it will actually like touch each little ant on the way in and it will detect intruders. And when they detect an intruder, they turn around and they face their bum to the intruder and then they squeeze their tummy real hard and they explode themselves. Oh my god. And they explode this kind of yellow toxic goo all oh, over the predators okay. and that kills the predators uh, and also the, the ants yes. who sacrifices themselves. Um, and apparently this toxic glue is really, really poisonous uh, and it also smells like curry. <laughs> What type of curry? I'm not sure. Uh, I yeah. probably not like to think about that since I'm going to have Thai for dinner tonight. <laughs> Thai yellow curry. Yellow, yeah, yellow curry probably would be the most likely one. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's not an actual like physical like fire explosion, that sort of thing. It's... Well, no, it's not. they're not lighting a fire, mm. uh, but they are that using be pretty cool. their own muscles. Um, but as we know, explosions don't have to be fire. Can you yep. build up a pressure? Yep. Uh, they're Which using their, to be in this case. Exactly. Their yeah. own muscles, they squeeze really, really hard until their bottoms explode and um, fall off. Like, obviously, because we know that ants' bottoms yeah. aren't like our bottoms, just attached at the back. They're kind yep. of their own little self Kind of like bees. On the end. Like yeah. when, a, when a bee stings, it stings you with its butt. Yeah. And then it has to sacrifice and then itself. It sacrifices itself, too. Yeah. Um, so, pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty and, crazy. And um, they're trying to find out a bit more about this yellow toxic goo, like what kind of chemicals yeah, are in there. Yeah, do you know there. what's in it? Uh, they don't know yet, so they're going to try and understand what kind of chemicals are in there. Mm -hmm. And they also want to understand a bit more about um, more about how these animals do this coordinated kind of group thing. Mm. Because we don't know a lot about how they can communicate with each other. And trying to look at how they do these coordinated movements where they explode all together or whatever they're going to do, mm. uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. And ants have some really tricky things that they do to kind of protect themselves because they're often in big groups, but they're really little. They're often a pretty easy target to mm. be preyed on by birds or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in a bug's life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how I learned everything I know about ants. Yeah. That, that. Or ants. <laughs> or ants, the movie. Yeah. Fantastic. So pretty interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. What's the word? Is it colony intelligence? But it's kind of like each ant is, you can think of it as being like a neuron yeah, in your brain. It's not colony. I know what it is. Um, from the tip of my tongue, I, I don't know, know what uh, it is. Future Duncan or Future Quill will yeah. jump in, I'm sure, at some point to correct us on this It's not one. herd intelligence, is oh, it? Oh, no. You're thinking of herd immunity, which is yeah. the vaccine thing. 
<sighs> Look, well, uh, Future Duncan, can you just chime in for a sec? Yeah, it's called Swarm Intelligence, guys. Okay, oh, thanks. Of course. He's yeah, good, isn't right. he? Yeah, yeah good cool. work. Um, so there you go. Good, great story. Thank yeah, you for sharing that thank one. Thank you. Good news. Cool. What? It's type of fact of the week. Yes. Fact of, of the, the week. week. <laughs> so <laughs> the theme song is just getting worse and worse. I know. <laughs> so. And by worse you mean yeah. better. Nice. So would you like to know the fact of the week? Yes. Okay. Always. This one's a weird one. Excellent. And it completely blew my mind when I first heard this, but get ready for it. I'm going to hold my mind in. Yep. Don't explode it like okay. a sort of curry. <laughs> ready? <laughs> Potatoes have more chromosomes than humans. What? <laughs> that was my mind blowing. Yeah, that's so weird. That's so, amazing. Can you, well, you, you're in the biology sphere. Can you explain what a chromosome is? For yeah, the absolutely. Of the so basically, um, we know we have our DNA and that's where all our genetic information is. So that's what makes us us. Mm -hmm. And we can inherit some of this from our parents. We mm -hmm. can get it from both of our parents. Um, and that might be why, like, you and your mum have the same colour eyes or you and your dad have the same shaped eyebrows or whatever. All these mm. different things we get. And these are our generic, genetic um, inheritance. Yeah. So uh, we get so 23 chromosomes, chromosomes from mum. So basically a chromosome is, we, get, we have 46 as a human, um, and we get half from mum, half from dad. And what a chromosome is, is essentially you've got your DNA, but your DNA can act, is really, really long. Like mm. if it was stretched out, it'd be like wrapped around the world. I think it's like seven times or something Good like Lord. that. Um, so what they do is this DNA actually winds up with these other little proteins. So little proteins are kind of like little balls. And if you imagine like a string winding around a tiny little ball, it does this, and then it does this into a little shape, and it does this into a little area, which we call a chromosome. And this basically mm. tucks up our DNA so that it's not as big as going around the world seven times. Yeah. It tucks it into that would a be tiny awfully inconvenient, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. So to carry that around with you all the time. Tucks it up nicely into a chromosome, and then we have 46 of these, and these is how we inherit uh, things from our parents and stuff like that. So it's nice all one. our genetic information that tells us who we are. Yeah, and so we have 46, and yeah. that's enough information to make a quill, yeah. or a Duncan, Fantastic. or of a, uh, whoever you might be, a Barry yeah. or a Jennifer. So, 46. Potatoes have more than that. They have 48. Which is a lot of chromosomes. That's a lot of chromosomes. That's two more than we have. Which, which yeah. is weird, because when you think of a potato, you don't think of someone as, as sort of complex. Complex. Um, emotional. Emotional. Uh, intelligent. Caring. Yeah. Uh, all these things that would describe a human being. Um, but they have more, quote-unquote, more genetic information than humans do. But it's not quite that simple, is it? No, of course no. not. Or else potatoes would be very complex They'd be things. super, they'd be, you know, a master overlords and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I, frankly, I won't stand for that. Mr. Potato Head Overlord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All my nightmares are coming true. Um, so, came across a fantastic metaphor to explain what's actually going okay. on here. So, if we think of the potato genome being you know, all the chromosomes, yep. um, as a library with 48 bookshelves. So mm -hmm. we, it, potato genome has 48 chromosomes. Just imagine those chromosomes as being bookshelves. And so the human genome is a library with 46. Yeah. Bookshelves. Bookshelves. So that's where we're putting all our genetic information. Exactly. Into those shelves. Into those shelves. Yeah, perfect. So there are no rules saying how large the bookshelves are or mm -hmm. how many books they have in them oh. or how big those books are. Yeah. Okay. So a 46 shelf library could have way more stuff like actual information yeah. than a 48 shelf library. That's like true. if my 40 if my if each shelf in my library goes for a kilometer, mm -hmm. I can have way more information than if your shelves 
go for like a meter Just and you shelf. might have more shelves but i've got yeah. longer shelves yeah. and you might have shelves filled with like textbooks and other things and i might just have a couple of mr men books exactly so and not as much information we're not speaking down about the mr oh, men series mr. Men. it's a fantastic series but it's not full of you know, it's not an encyclopedia is it no so so basically it depends on what's actually in the books of course they're on the shelves not how many shelves there are yeah so yeah, you can think of the chromosome being like, like Quill explained, a way of packaging the genome for that mm -hmm. particular animal or plant. Yeah. Um, so That's if you look at the, cool. if you look at what's called the actual base pairs inside mm -hmm. of DNA, a potato has 850 million base pairs, while humans have three billion. So basically, that's saying yeah, a lot more. we have less shelves, but our books are way better and way cooler. Yeah. 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 We just packed it in with good information. Yeah, exactly. Lots of quality Whereas information. Whereas the other ones just say, uh, am I going to be a good chip or am I going <laughs> to be good mash? <laughs> Frankly, the only good chips are ones that have chicken salt on them. That's what I always say. I actually second and that motion. Thank you. <laughs> and tomato sauce. This is, see, the, the potato genome needs to be upgraded to include chicken salt automatically. That's what I say. Genetically modified potatoes. Chicken, chicken salt, salt. flavouring. Exactly. Thank wow. you. Can we start a petition or something? I think so. Let's get a Trademark Kickstarter going. And, quill. <laughs> and then if they forget to salt your chips at the fish and chip shop, no big deal. Because you already got it. You've already made them. Yeah. Fantastic. Maybe they could just cross a potato with the chicken. Oh <gasps> my god. Potato chips. How many chromosomes do chickens have? I don't know. Should we find out? Yeah, let's, let's find out. Excuse this typing sound for a second. How many chromosomes <laughs> does a ch ch chicken <laughs> I hope the answer is it depends on whether it's crossed with potato oh, or not. This is big news. What? 78 chromosomes. Whoa! So even chickens have more chromosomes. Do you know else. why? Why? Because it takes a lot of books to pack in that much deliciousness to make chicken salt. <laughs> I should point out I'm a vegetarian, but I love chicken yeah. salt. <laughs> well, there's a lot of protein in, in chicken. There is so a lot of protein in chicken. That's, it's not actually relevant at all. <laughs> And they got right. to learn how to lay an egg. That's that is very true. Too. That is very true. I think we've really gone off topic. But which came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken That's salt. the real question. Came first. <laughs> Should we move on? Yes. There we go. <laughs> so that was a cool little fact, wasn't it? That was really cool. Good news. It's time for... What's that sound? What's that sound? What's that sound? What's that sound? sound? What's the sound? What's that sound? What's the sound? What's that sound? Ooh. All right. So we have a new sound to, to what's. So um, Now, we actually decided after the last time we did what's that sound that we wouldn't make the next one so difficult. But we've changed our minds because yep. we've got a cool sound. It's a really cool sound. But it's a bit difficult. And yeah. I'm happy to report that uh, Jasper... Mm -hmm. Received our um, a prize. Excellent. He loved it. Excellent. So what did, what did we send him again? I think I sent him a wooden T-Rex. Perfect. And some fireworks glasses, the rainbow glasses, yep. which apparently he wore for three days straight. Perfect. They're um, great. Yeah, well done. They're fantastic. That's awesome. And was it a balloon helicopter? Something like or that. Fly scope, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Um, Absolute bonanza. Yeah. Incredible prize. And of course, for this secret sound, there will be a prize pack there as well. There will be a prize. So if you think you know what we are doing in this secret sound, mm. let us know. But this one's going to be tough, so you're going to have to earn it. We're going to give you some clues this time. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the last one was a bit too hard. It was quite hard. So, Quill, you mm -hmm. have a you have a mat placed in front of you. I do. And you're going to pick up your tongs there. There you go. That's not the secret sound. That's a hint. <laughs> some tongs. That's the sound of tongs. And I'm just going to quickly move the microphone 
downwards towards this mat where All the sound right. is going to be located. So I'm using my tongs and I've got my mat. Mm -hmm. And you can hear, it's not the sound yet, okay? Just be Moving patient. Some, some things around, yeah. Just getting ready. I'm also going to put my safety gloves on for this sound. Oh, there's a hint. And some safety goggles. So you're telling me that this sound is coming from something that is maybe a bit dangerous. We're doing a safety course first, mm -hmm. and then we're going to be a what's that sound of an experiment. Ooh, okay. this is new. It is new because anyone can play like an instrument, yeah. but we have this beautiful thing where we work in a warehouse filled with experiments. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a what's that experiment sound. What's that experiment? What's, what's that experiment, experiment sound? What's, what's that experiment cool. sound? Cool. Right. It's a long one. Okay. Anyway, now, before you do that, mm -hmm. it is, it's a strange noise, isn't it's it? It's a strange noise. Very strange noise. And I just want to reassure the listeners that there is no being, uh, you know, land-based or otherwise. Yep. That is being harmed in the making of this sound. Can we? No animal, human, or vegetable is harmed in the making of this sound. Yes, apart from your ears, maybe. But maybe your ears. You Are go. we ready? Go for it. <laughs> wow. Was that enough? What a sound. That was a good sound. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So, what's that sound, people? Let us know. And that's really tricky, isn't it? I it's think, a tricky I think one. It's a tricky one. Fantastic. All so, right. um, with your um, safety tongs there, maybe just move the offending article. I'm going to move back our to whence it came. Safety tongs, mm -hmm. which are in fact the longest tongs in history, but that's okay. And we're done with what's that sound? I'm hoping to hear some interesting answers about what's that sound. We'll have to start pulling together a prize pool, like a really good one too. I think we've got some new stuff in the in the shop, so we might find some cool new stuff for that prize pack. The, the shop at physicseducation.com.au. It, it, it does. It's filled with great science stuff. And we might find some of our really super cool things to send to our What's That Sound winner because it is a really hard one. So I feel like mm. they deserve a good prize. Pack. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, guys. Forgot to tell them how they can get in contact. You can go to our Facebook page and let us know what the secret sound is there. You can email us. Twist at physicseducation.com.au. Okay, bye for the future. Bye. Moving on to the next slash last story of the day. Fantastic. Uh, this one's a big one. Came out just the other day. Which is, apparently, the moon has water ice on the surface. Ooh! What? 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 So apparently they actually have kind of suspected this for a while. Yeah. But it's, for all intents and purposes, been um, confirmed, in a sense. And what they did is they've, with some, like, what are they called? Lunar reconnaissance orbiters? So satellites that yeah. orbit the moon. Fancy name. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's really mm. good. Um, they've been looking at areas where they think there could be ice, so like shadowy sort okay. of craters where it gets really cold. And then they've compared what they saw to modeling of what they thought they would see if there was ice yep. on the surface. And they've basically gone, oh, they're the same. So there probably, okay. probably is So when we talk about modeling, what we're talking about is kind of using maths and stuff like that and what we kind of know about other things to kind of develop what we think is going to happen and then testing that against what we actually see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the reason water, is, I mean, ice is important. Finding ice is obviously important because that means there might be water there. Well, exactly. Yeah. And water is good for you and I. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty big. So basically, we, all, we know that all life... Needs water. Mm -hmm. So anywhere where there's water somewhere else in the solar system, that's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, if you want to learn more, I would highly suggest listening to the special edition episode of 
physics twist Ooh. about the Mars orbiters. Man, oh, Mars, yes. Mars, Mars rovers, sorry. Mars rovers, fantastic. Because it, ex it explained a little bit in that. Yeah, so this is pretty darn cool that mm -hmm. there is actual water ice. Now, so yeah, there's the whole life thing, yeah. um, which is kind of cool. But there's another neat reason why, yeah. this, why this is beneficial. And that is because it could support human life yeah. on on the surface of the moon. So if we use that as a potential yeah. sort of lunar base for getting further into the into the solar system, exactly. launching missions from the moon instead of launching it from Earth, hmm. we need a way to support human life that lives there. But it doesn't take as long to get to the moon. No, but it has far less gravitational pull, That's right? True. That's so true. So the actual cost and the sort of... Energy expense to get there. Yeah, it's yeah. far less. Yeah, cool. Far less than going from Earth. Do you think we'll ever just be able to go hang out on the moon? Because I'd really like to go to the I moon. I would love that, yeah. Um, I think it's like the first episode of Futurama is about that. <laughs> where Fry is like, oh, we can just go to the moon. It's kind of like a Disney theme park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, maybe it's the second episode, I can't remember. But yeah, so that is why everyone's saying that this is so amazing. is because it could potentially be used as a lunar base. Yeah. However. Uh-oh. Yes. I'm going to get Space junk. Pretty, pretty pessimistic about it. For a second, highly, highly unlikely that oh. highly unlikely that we'll ever see it. I think, or at least that it's going to happen soon. Right. Maybe when we're really old and walking around on canes and be like, I remember when they landed man on the moon. Yeah. When we're doing our old people podcast. Exactly. Yeah, for seniors. Yeah. Welcome to Physics Senior. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the reason, <laughs> the reason that it's so that it's so unlikely, is because think about the logistics that need to be put in place to have an actual lunar base on Mars. Yeah. Like the physical amount of stuff that they yeah. have to launch up there and build is yeah. just incredible. It is. Like previously they've sent a couple of people to the moon and like a little moon buggy. Yeah, and they just and hang out for a day or two. Exactly. Yeah. But putting something up, something up there that's at least semi-permanent, Yeah. the cost is immense. Yeah. The danger is incredible. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the AI that we would hope to use is not at the point where it is feasible. So right. artificial intelligence, yes. so a lot of like computers and stuff that we're t like training to yeah. think for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But you couldn't trust them to go up there and do it for themselves at the they moment. They go crazy. They take over the moon. Exactly. And then we'd have this robot Fire race living on the moon, stuff. Like, drinking all the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Heating up our water, drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> it's poison. Yeah, so super cool discovery. Yeah. But if people are talking about that it's potentially going to be used to support mm. human life in a in a lunar base, I would pause and think about that for yeah. a second. I don't think it's likely to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So there you go. But anyway, it is still extremely awesome. It is there awesome. There is ice there. Yeah. But yeah the cost of so extracting cool. it is massive as yeah. well. Yeah. And this is, of course, why we have to look after the planet that we're on. Exactly. Thank you, Quill. Stop looking very... for a plan B and just look after the one we have. Exactly. Yeah. That's a very, very good point. Yes. So if we could stop trashing the place, that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, cool. I think that's all I have on that particular one. Well, that was really interesting. It Thanks, really Duncan. Interesting. No worries. You could also use it as fuel, just quietly, according to Jeff Bezos. And yeah. um, also don't forget to check out the official physics education podcast, with the wonderful Ben Newsom. Phys Ed. Mm. Physics Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Any other 
pieces of admin to tackle. No, I think that's it. It's great to be back. It's it been is. a little bit of a break. We've had so much going on. Science week was fantastic. Week was we hope fun, everyone had a great science week. We know we did. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we'll keep, see you next time. Keep learning. Keep having fun. Woo. That's what we do.